This is Texas Soccer Radio. My name is Kyle Mankey. His name is Larry Weathers. Together we are going to chat about a lot of soccer tonight after uh, another week where we didn't get to do it. It's been kind of a weird month, Larry. What's what's going on with our schedule here? Um, it's crazy. You had a vacation. I had to go on a honeymoon down to the Caribbean. I have completely alcoholed myself out. Atta boy. I was at one of the all-inclusive resorts, and I single-handed, single-handedly depleted their crown supply. So I've done my part the last week. It sounds like um, sounds like you really took one for the team there, going on a honeymoon at uh, Paradise and being a liver away. It was more soccer research than anything, but uh, <laughs> yes, yes, it was. That's we're gonna expense it to the uh, company account here. Perfect. No worries. That works for me. That'll work for my wife too. Yo, what's up, Periscope? I see you, Michael. Um, how are y'all doing tonight? For anyone listening to the podcast version of this show, we do a Periscope version live every Thursday night, 10 p.m. Texas Standard Time. Um, highly recommend coming to hang out. It's usually pretty fun. It's going to be fun tonight because we have a lot of things to talk about. Um, we're actually going to change things up a little bit. Um, we're going to talk about one thing, which is the jersey reveal, because we're both wearing SAFC jerseys. We normally don't do that, but uh, here we are. Or I normally don't do that. I don't know. But um, So let's talk about that. And then we're actually going to kick things off with your Twitter questions at the top of the show, um, doing, doing things a little differently this week. But uh, SAFC jersey reveal, what do you think about the new kits, Larry? Love the new kit. I'm I'm super jealous you have yours already. I will hopefully be getting mine tomorrow night at the RG RGV uh, preseason game. So I'm super stoked. I think they did a great job with them. I think we may have actually gotten a reveal on some of the new Nike kits with our kit that we're going to start seeing coming up with World Cup play from some of the teams maybe. Yeah, I I really dig the new kit. I, I kind of said it last week. Last week's episode was kind of an extended interview with Ryan Rashindle, but uh, I believe my quote was, they are fucking sick or something like that. Um, <laughs> I, I like them a lot. I like the the stripes aren't just solid stripes. They're little triangle things. Um, the sleeves are a different color, but they're not obnoxious. The uh, There's a rendering on the Soccer Factory's website where the sleeves were like a bright, bright gray and it was a little much. There was a lot, of, a lot going on with that rendering. So I'm glad they went with a darker version of it. Um, they certainly didn't make it easy to tell what they looked like if you weren't at the actual event. <laughs> that's for sure. I know we both ended up missing it um, due to other stuff getting in the way. But yeah, it was really tough to tell there what the jersey actually yeah. looked like with those sleeves uh, just from the pictures that they had posted that night. Yeah, um, incredible turnout to that event, by the way, even though neither one of us made it. Um, just the pictures. Cowboys is a big venue, and to have that many people and to make it look that full. <laughs> Michael on Periscope says, needs more neon piping. Oh, Las Vegas, you Oof. meme of a team. I saw Las Vegas might have other primary kits. We can talk about that another Wait, time. What? But, I didn't. Yeah. I, I've been a little, I've been on Twitter, but not on Twitter for the last week. So, yeah, I'm a little out of the loop on some things. I had not heard that one yet. That's going to be yeah, interesting if it's I true. I need, need to nail that down a little bit. Maybe I'll just put that on Twitter. But I saw it on Reddit, I think, this week. But. Yeah, anyway, really dig the SAFC kit, so glad that I have one perk of not going and getting drunk on a beach all week. Yeah. 
Anyway. It was a tough price to pay. It really was. <laughs> I'll survive somehow. Yeah, I, I hope you do, man. <laughs> so let's kick off the Twitter questions kind of along that same line. Uh, Dennis writes in, what is SAFC going to do with the old home jerseys, um, the old primary kits? So uh, I would, I haven't looked at the Soccer Factory's website, but I don't remember seeing them on display anymore when I went and got my new one. Um, so I'm wondering if there's a way to take the patch off and like either sell those because like the UT women's team use that exact same kit. I guess you can really use a men's like, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do is my answer. What do you think they should do, Larry? I, you know, I think because of their partnership with the soccer factory, they're not necessarily ordering them in bulk and they're producing them on a shorter term basis. So I really don't know if they have that many like extra jerseys sitting around. Yeah. They were obviously also involved with the productions of the new jerseys because they're the retailer for them. So they knew that there was a new jersey in the pipeline. I wouldn't be surprised if they've got a, a small number left. Um, I did see some suggestions about game worn jerseys though. That'd be interesting seeing, you know, maybe silver and black give back charity auctions and stuff like that. I'd, I'd be down to see jerseys go up for auction. Yeah. Aaron uh, suggested that he uh, wanted to call dibs on a Omar Gordon game worn Jersey. (laughs) And uh, Jenny check said uh, maybe a fundraiser for silver and black give back both, both good things, you know, charity giving away a shirt to a fan, you know, I can see some season ticket member raffles in the future, maybe with old game worn jerseys. That'd be cool. That'd be pretty cool. Um, so yeah, thanks for writing in on those. Uh, let's jump over to Michael who wrote in, let's talk transfer fees and what they mean for the club. Um, we saw that for the first time, as far as we know, as far as I can remember, um, first time that that's affected San Antonio FC in a positive way where, um, well, we, we, traded some, we traded some hotel rooms before. Don't forget. Uh, that's, that's Scorpions. <laughs> I gotta say it. I gotta say it. <laughs> hey, the Scorpions live. They came back on Twitter this week. Did they really? Yeah. Did you not see that? No. Oh, when man, NASL, NASL announced, uh, <laughs> announced that they were, were, were going under this week. This SA Scorpions uh, Twitter account came back and, and just posted a meme of pouring out a beer. Oh my God. That's amazing. That means someone still has that password and log. Oh my gosh. I'm going to go look that up as soon as we're done. Um, But Michael asked about transfer fees and what they mean for the club. Um, I would think that they probably got more than a hotel room for Sebastian Viaga when he signed with uh, New York city FC. I sure hope so. (laughs) He's worth way more than that. I'd give up hotel rooms to have him back. Right. Yeah. So at, that could be taken a couple ways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, they, uh, they probably, I wonder how, how closely the two clubs are talking about this because if they planned on being able to sell him at the end of this preseason, um, then maybe bringing in Chris Christian. What's up, Harry? I see you in Periscope chat. Um, maybe bringing in Chris Christian and um, some of the other players of starting caliber, um, you know, maybe they factored in that fee already. Otherwise, this is probably a pretty good size amount of money that can be used for the entire club. I'm not just talking about the first team, but the academy as well, um, which for a reminder to everyone uh, is 
at no cost to the players. So that academy has to be funded somehow. So if part of these transfer fees go to that, that'd be cool. Um, I, I, I'm going to say that I don't know what other players they could sign at this point, but we've seen some pretty crazy signings yeah. lately. So. Well, I mean, Darren goes out of his way to recruit from some pretty obscure spots. I mean, we saw that with Tayu before coming from futsal leagues down in Mexico. So, I mean, who knows where he's pulling talent from. I'm not expecting any more signings, even though we did see some trialists in this last round of friendlies. Uh, but who knows? We might get one or two more. Yeah, that that last last pair of friendlies. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but yeah, we'll get there. Impressive stuff there <clears throat> from a lot of guys. Um so yeah, I think I wish we knew the the exact amount. I've been trying to figure it out on the MLS side because there's a little more transparency there just because of all the salary rules. Um but we haven't gotten a, an actual number yet, but as soon as we do, we'll put that out on Twitter or uh credit whoever finds it all that stuff, but it's hard to say exactly how it affects the club, but positively for sure. Right. Like, right. Definitely. That's all it could be. Um, <clears throat> let's go. Let's go over to Royce who had a really interesting train of thought. Um, he asked about um, the role of Ryan Rashindle as a number six um, he says last season when the wingers attacked the number six, who is Pekka for most of it would drop back and make a back four again. Um, since both wingers now like to attack, does that mean Rashindle stays back and creates a temporary back three when necessary with the center backs or is his height preferred over Pekka's to help repel aerial threats with the absence of Sebastian Biaga? Uh, he also has, will Batman find Robin in time? State. <laughs> Some days you can't get rid of a bomb. That's um, true. Yeah, I, that's a really interesting point. I think. Um, do you? I'm going to say something really snarky. So, do you want to take this one? Do you have any thoughts on that? Go, you, go with your snarky comment first. Let's let's hear what that is. They have attacking wingers that can play defense now on both sides. Um, <laughs> Billy Forbes, not known for his defensive effort. Um, and I think that's going to have a big effect on the role of Greg Cochran in particular being the left back, um, but really the scheme as a whole from what we've seen in preseason. It's been a big, big change. But um, as far as Rashindle dropping back versus Pekka dropping back, um, Ryan is a much larger player. Um, he is someone who is really good at connecting that back line to the midfield in particular, the central midfield in particular. Um, so while Pekka is a phenomenal number six and played really well from what we've seen this preseason, um, Rashindle is definitely not a step down uh, by any means. So I think he, you know, he came into the club as a center back. So he's fully capable of helping out on that back line. It's right. not going to be as a fullback. Um, but when you have Tierpak, Gordon, and Escalante, um, those guys are able to drop back into that fullback role temporarily and cover um, what needs to be covered. So I, I don't see that as a big change necessarily um, from what we've seen. We, we don't know. Pekka, even after Rashindo is named club captain, Pekka could win the starting role just knowing how this team runs. I don't. 
expect that to happen, but it's not a huge gap between those two. I, I think I feel close to what you're feeling here. I, I actually sat down earlier tonight and I was trying to, I was looking at what we've seen lineup wise so far um, in these preseason matches and I was really struggling to come up with what the starting lineup was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> like really struggling bad with it because there's so much talent on this team right now. And so many people that de- deserve to be on the field all the time that I, I just don't think that it matters all that much. I think we're going to get it done. We've got a good group of players. They're all great offensively. They're great defensively. And I don't think we're going to see that issue that Royce brought up necessarily. I'm, I'm with you right there. Um, yeah, there's a lot of versatile players this year, especially in the midfield. So I think we're going to be okay in that, that regard, even if it ends up with three in the back at some point. I don't necessarily know that we're going to be as big of a defensive team this year either. The attack looks vastly improved at this point. Yeah, And, you know, I saw during your rant, Harry popped in there and said something about you being a Forbes hater. <laughs> and I, I had marked down Forbes as something to attack, talk about with the Twitter stuff because there was quite a long thread about Billy Forbes and if he was – if we were hating on him too much. And, and I don't feel like it's necessarily hate with him. He had – like you, a point you made, he had a great beginning to the season – he had a not so great middle of the season and he picked it back up at the end. But the one thing that we know is true and is a fact is that he never came back to play defensively. Like there should be no argument out of anybody there. So we have upgraded in that regard that we now have players up there that can play both sides of the ball. Uh, I don't, I, I know I've taken a couple shots at Billy and somebody fucking tagged him on Twitter in a thread talking about my criticism of Billy. So thanks for that, whoever did that. But <laughs> I say that um, because, and then he retweeted it with something smart. But um, I say that because I don't think I've said anything about Billy Forbes that I wouldn't say to his face. Like, I I don't think he came here to play defense and right. I, I, you know, I, I'm not attacking him as a person or, or, you know, anything like that. I'm saying dude here didn't play defense and he had a pretty crappy middle of the season after a really great beginning. Um, I feel like he knows that. <laughs> and so, yeah. yeah, I, I think as a unit and we'll talk about this a little more, but as a unit, um, the the team has improved this off season. Uh, from agreed, absolutely agreed. Um, before we get into all that, let's keep on going with the Twitter questions here. Um, Courtney asks, "Do you think Johnston will get minutes during the scrimmage tomorrow?" So there is a preseason friendly with RGVFC Friday night. So uh, tonight, if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, um, will Johnston get minutes? I don't think so in the main game, but uh, the club did say that there's going to be 35 minutes of like a second match basically. Um, And I would imagine that he has a chance of getting minutes there. The thing is he's not a trialist, so it's not like they're trying to figure out what they have with him. He's been with the club for three years. So I feel like they all know what's there. So um, I'm not sure he's going to be getting minutes i hope you know for his sake i hope he does but i think we'll see about what we saw out of him last year 
he'll probably get some time at the very beginning of the U.S. Open Cup, and that's about it. Other than that, I don't think he's going to probably get any meaningful minutes until that point comes. Yeah. There's really no reason to, to put him in there past, I mean, you know, Cardoni and Restrepo, so... If that even, like we could see, assuming Restrepo gets the starting role, we could see Cardoni in the Open Cup and Johnston is, you know, left out on that. That's true. That's very true. Yeah, I I, I just don't see him getting minutes tomorrow. It's a really hard position for him, I'm sure, because he's a very good goalkeeper and he's young and he's got a good size. So I feel like he could be playing in other places, but maybe it's better for his development to be here with those guys and with Juan La Madrid and, and making those connections. But yeah, it's, it's tough. So let's see, what else do we got here? We got one from Harry asking for our thoughts on El Paso and Edward saying that ri- their rivals would be Phoenix, Albuquerque and Vegas, but not San Antonio. Um, maybe that's some of that future division separation that we're seeing coming down the pipeline that they already know about. Um, El Paso, you'd think El Paso would end up in the same conference as us, but there's nothing saying that they actually will. Um, They're arguably closer to Phoenix than they are. Well, they're kind of almost dead in the middle really between Phoenix and San Antonio. So they could go either way, but yeah, I think, I think it's good to have another team down the road in Texas for us to, to, to play against. So they're a potential rival, for sure. It's really fucking far. <laughs> <laughs> it's a far drive, it is. Um, yeah, I, El Paso is a really cool city. Uh, my wife's from El Paso, or she grew up in El Paso, and we go back to visit her family. And um, it's, you know, it's at altitude. It's mm-hmm. in the mountains. It's probably going to be a really tough place to play. But, um, man, it's a beautiful city. Um but yeah, it's really far from San Antonio. So if they do go to the West Central East conferencing in the next couple of years, it wouldn't be too much of a surprise, even though it's in Texas, to see it in that Western division. Um, we'll kind of have to see how many other California teams come in <laughs> and leave. But um, yeah, I, I feel like they're right on the fringe of either being central or west but i would guess west like you said i think you're you're on the money there did we have anything else i think that was all of them i think that was all this week questions that were directed at us there are some interesting threads there about (laughs) if players should yeah there's a there's a button on twitter where you don't have to tag someone in every tweet I'm, i'm just gonna throw that out there but Let's get into um, a, a signing that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, Sonny Guadarrama. Um, I'm going to continue to hesitate on his last name for probably another couple weeks before it starts rolling off my tongue a little bit. But um, Sonny is a central midfielder that SAFC signed um, and really, really freaking impressive. Um, did you get a chance to see the, it was the new England game, right? Where he played. Right. I did watch that game. Um, yeah. He looks super impressive. <laughs> um, he's formed quite the co- connection right off the bat with Guzman. So I, I, I know after that game, I was, I was tweeting during that game and I said, we're signing, signing him Monday, right? Cause the game was on the Saturday. I was like, we better see a player announcement on Monday. Didn't happen. Waited a little bit longer, but 
uh, yeah, no, he's he's coming out firing, and I don't know where we where he was and why we didn't find him sooner, or another team didn't find him sooner here in the USL. Um, but yeah, man, he's a, a hidden gem. He's just he's just owning the field there. Harry says, AKA trialist, because that's all the club would refer to him as, <laughs> even when the broadcast is saying his name. Yeah. Shout out to the broadcast and, and, <laughs> and New England for post- posting the names out there when they announced who was playing in the game. Yeah. They did a good job of covering it for us. Um, man, he looked. So there was another preseason pair of matches um, last week. God, what day was it? I don't even remember. Yeah, I think it was Saturday, wasn't um, it? I think that sounds right. Um, where SAFC faced St. Edwards and then they faced UTRGV. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sonny and most of the players that we think are going to be in the first team in the in the starting 11 um, played in that first match against St. Edwards. And good God, he looked good. <laughs> um, and, and it wasn't just him playing hero ball. Like the connections between him and ever and the the team oriented attacking the team based attacking was something that we have never seen before and i know san edwards is a college team but they're the only college team that's ever beat san antonio fc in a preseason friendly so it's not a bunch of scrubs either um right but it it was just incredible to see you know it wasn't get the ball to Frank and hope he scores. It wasn't Billy Forbes running from one side of the field to the other and trying to score. It was the most like team oriented. I can't, there's no other, other way to describe it other than truly a team attack. And that is something that if they can keep that up, that's what they were missing last year when they came in second in the Western conference table. So I mean, this is kind of something that we were talking about this week, but is there any doubt that San Antonio FC has upgraded their attack as a whole this offseason, even losing Billy Forbes? And uh, I, yeah, I say absolutely not. We've totally upgraded what we've got going on up there. Um, you know, God, like I said, I said earlier, there's so much talent up there on the attack and across this team as a whole. And if we're able to put on a unified attack, it's we're going to be unstoppable if we can hold the same amount of defense that we had in the past, which I don't have any doubts of us being able to do that with the signings we've brought in and we can put this unified attack on week to week, we are going to be something to be seen on the field and other teams are going to have to take notice and start game planning around us each and every week. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just insane. Like, obviously it's a long season. You got to have everybody stay healthy. You have to have a lot of things fall your way to have a successful season. But um, it seems like the club has made the moves that they need to make to better themselves from last year. Um, I, I can't praise what I saw in that St. Edwards game enough. It was phenomenal. It was great. And I can't wait to see more of it. I hope we see more of it. I mean, you, you you think about last year and really our attack centered around Forbes and, and Elizondo. And, you know, we I know we brought Guzman there on later in the season and we saw him flash and it's just continued to carry over. And now you're looking at a front line where we've got Guzman and we've got Escalante and Gordon and Guadarrama and Elizondo and Presley and Tierpak and Alex Bruce, I know he got some time up there in the front as well. You know, it, we've got a number of people now that 
are going to going to make goals happen and they've been making them happen in the preseason it hasn't just been one person doing the work it hasn't been Billy going out there in the first you know the first month last season and just scoring all the goals himself um they've been spreading the ball around they haven't been ball hogging it's been that unified attack it's what we need and it's happening and it's incredibly exciting yeah yeah it's when I saw in that St. Edwards game what we saw in the New England game it was good (laughs) like I'm really, really excited about this season. I don't know what we're going to see Friday night against RGV in that friendly. Um, You know, the club likes to keep their cards close to the vest, so I don't know what kind of lineup we're going to see or or how much they're going to roll out there. But um, hopefully it'll be a good show for everybody, and you'll get to see what we saw on Saturday and some of these closed-door friendlies. Um, It's just so crazy that we're at a point where, you know, you mentioned – Cesar Elizondo and Billy Forbes having such a phenomenal start to the season, we may not see either one of them in the starting 11 um, in Sacramento. Like there's obviously we won't see Billy, but there's a good chance that Sonny has overtaken Cesar for that 10 role. And it's, you know, you can't argue with some of the stuff that you've seen. Yeah, no, you're, t- you're totally right. It's, it's definitely possible that Elizondo does not start in that game. Um, as far as the RGV game tomorrow night, I think we'll probably get a decent look at what we should be seeing come Sacramento. I think we have one more closed door friendly between now and the beginning of the season after tomorrow. So they've got to be running it down to what they're actually going to be running at this point. We, yeah. we should see close to what we should be expecting in Sacramento at the opening of the season. We're getting close, man. MLS starts this weekend. USL starts very soon. <laughs> a couple weeks after that. Yeah. It's, <sighs> it's almost it's, here. It's happening. Soccer's back. <laughs> it's happening. Um, yeah. I, I'm so excited for this season, man. Um, <laughs> Michael said, I'd be okay with a result like the one in RGV's friendly against Houston. Um, I'm not sure what that score was, to be honest with you. Oh, 9 1, says Harry. 9 oh. to 1. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> quite the massacre right there. Oof. Um, yeah, I. you take away Jose Escalante, and what do you got, right? <laughs> with RGV. Nothing no, I think they still have Eric Byrne. They still have a <laughs> bunch of guys, but. Um, yeah, yeah, but new new coaching system out there. We don't know what we're going to get out of RGV, truly. And we don't know what we're going to get out of OKC either with their new coach. Um, yeah. I'm intrigued by that because OKC has been the thorn in San Antonio FC's side even before you know the playoffs last year when they got eliminated at their hand. Um, OKC's been tough. And now that coaching staff or that head coach is in Kansas City with Swope. Or right. with, uh, oh my God, what's, yeah, it's Swope Park, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm all preseason. <laughs> preseason. They keep mode. adding teams. It's hard to keep track of everybody these yeah, days. Right. He's in Albuquerque, right? I don't know. There's coaches smoking cigarettes in the stands and llamas on the field, and that's just Las Vegas. So, um, anyway, the, <laughs> I'm curious about OKC. We kind of laughed about Phoenix taking Jason Johnson and Billy Forbes and some other pieces from San Antonio FC. Um, but OKC apparently is doing that as well to an extent. Um, they announced they came to terms with former 
SAFC players Max Gunderson and Juan Nino this week. Okay. So, yeah, that's that's a thing that happened. Um, I mean, you, you've got more experience watching those guys than I do. We really didn't see them in starting starting 11s ever. So yeah. um, you've seen them at practice and stuff last year, but I, I don't have that much to say about those two guys, to be honest. Uh, and I think, you know, I want to be careful because they, without, you know, being too crazy, I, I'm in a fucking team jersey right now. I guess I can't call myself unbiased, but... <laughs> you know they were they were really cool dudes to chat with really nice guys and talented players um but they also didn't get a lot of time with an SAFC team that um in Max's case was struggling to find those fullback permanent spots other than Greg Cocker and they were struggling to find a right back um and then in Juan Nino's case he came in and just couldn't really break through to get the minutes uh, last year so it's not that they're bad by any means but they they just couldn't really find a home here so wish them all the best in OKC other than you know when it affects San Antonio but um, <laughs> you know it, it's not world breaking signings unless something crazy happens in 2018 agreed Anyway, um, so we talked a little bit about Ibiaga. He officially was announced as an NYCFC player this week. Um, it was a transfer from San Antonio FC. He was under contract with San Antonio FC. That's very important to note. Um, and then he was transferred to NYCFC. So he was not a free agent. It was not a free transfer. Um, so they got paid. Uh, again, still trying to figure out how much that was, but you know, any anything else to say about Ibiaga before we close that chapter for a little while? No more Ibiaga Watch 2018. I want to know what his jersey number is in New York because I'm it was totally three in the preseason. It was what 83. 83? 83. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I may or may not be uh, intending to order an Ibiaga NYCFC jersey. So I'm going to make that happen once we know what his number is for sure. I tweeted at their official account and asked, and I got no response this week. I'm so shocked. No help there. <laughs> um, before we talk more about that, Michael says, Michael asks about uh, AJ Jiqua and Sean Chin, if we've heard anything about them. Have not. Last I heard, they were with Colorado last year after leaving SAFC, um, but I haven't heard if they're going to be back for 2018 or not. I haven't checked on that, to be honest. But, yeah, those – you know, kind of the same boat. Good guys that, uh, you know, just couldn't fit the role in the club. Yep. Um, but yeah, I I am not a Manchester City fan by any means. I am a Tottenham, Spur, Tottenham Hotspur fan. Um, I, I could not care less about Manchester City, but I do really like the NYCFC jerseys. I think... They've got good-looking they, kits. They're good-looking kits. They are. Even though they look a lot like the man city ones the orange in it kind of does it for me and i dig it i dig it so you know maybe we'll match up one of these weeks if he gets a start or something gets some minutes with the first team so let's see what else do we got here um that's just about it for safc do you have anything else that you want to talk about no i think we can keep moving here 
Well, let's go ahead and put a little pause here because um, I'm going to go in and drop a interview that I did with Tim Holt, Managing Director of San Antonio FC, of course. Uh, we chatted for about 10 minutes at Media Day about all sorts of things. Um, he mentioned, actually, I want to talk to you about this really quick. Um, he mentioned that the affiliation with NYCFC was mistakenly referred to by some people as a front office affiliation um, and not one that had much of an effect on the field. And he specifically went out of his way to correct that and to make sure, and for people not watching on Periscope, I'm pointing at myself when I say some people said that. I said that a lot. Um, but it turns out that a lot of the affiliation had to do with on the field product. And, you know, do you, are you surprised by that? Are we just kind of seeing it come to fruition in 2018? I don't think you were wrong for what you said in the past because we had no indication that it was anything otherwise. So I'm not surprised to see it turn into something more, especially with us ending up with USL Defender of the Year on our team. Um, so I'm not surprised that they wanted to come down here and, and you know, maybe pick up a few players. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's good. It means our players have a, a, a clear pathway up to MLS, MLS play. Um, and we may see it go both ways. You know, we don't really know for sure if Mikey Lopez is a product of that as well. So, yeah. you know, it, hopefully it's working out for both sides here. Yeah. I, somebody mentioned Mikey Lopez on Twitter the other night about why he would come to San Antonio FC. Um, Harry says, according to NYCFC's site, Sebastian Biag is listed as number 33. So, oh, okay. Um, Good to know. I'll have to keep an eye on it. I'm yeah. going to wait until I see him in a game and see what number he's wearing then, and then <laughs> I'll pull the trigger on the jersey. Maybe he was 33 the whole time and my eyes just sucked, but I could have sworn it was 83. I'm pretty sure it was eight. But um, anyway, no, talking about Mikey Lopez, someone mentioned why he would come here versus some of the other options to try and get back to MLS. Um, but or I think they were asking about, was it a hometown type thing coming here back right. to Texas? But um, I really think that it was kind of two-pronged because now he's still, I, I don't want to upset anyone by saying this, but he's still in the NYCFC system, um, you know, assuming that the affiliation is still there or the working relationship is still there at the very minimum. Um, so he's still in the NYCFC system. So if he has a breakout year this year, which he's said that he wants to, he wants to win league MVP this year, he could move his way back up to New York from here. Um, but it's also close to home. Like he's from the Valley and he played with a lot of these guys. Um, I think it was Chris Tierpak that he played on a youth team with, and then he's played with multiple other players, just about every other player that's from Texas he's played with. So it's definitely familiar and it's still in the system. So it kind of seemed like a no brainer there, but. Agreed on all accounts. I mean, that's, it's a fit. It's a good fit for now. Yeah. We'll see what it brings this season and into, into the future. Yeah. I, I think we have a lot of ambition in our central midfield, uh, a lot of vocal ambition in our central midfield between Sonny and Mikey and, I really want to see what happens there. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, everyone wants to score. Chris Tierback wants to score. And this preseason, he has fucking scored whenever he wanted. So we will <laughs> see if that keeps going. Uh, Ever Guzman, you know, everyone wants to score. Greg Cochran, all, all around. But, um, yeah, it, it's going to be a fun season, I think. 
anyway, here is, uh, if you're listening to the podcast version, here is our chat with Tim Holt from Media Day. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. If you're watching on Periscope, we are only going to take a quick pause and then we'll keep going. So either way, thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back. We are joined with Tim Holt, uh, San Antonio FC Managing Director, of course. Uh, thank you for taking time to chat with us here on SAFC Media Day 2018. Does this kind of feel like it's here, like the season's, you know, right around the corner? Yeah, it's the best time of year, Kyle. It's, uh, you know, it feels a little bit more familiar for us this year. The first season, 2016, you know, seemed, uh, it was a bit chaotic. Um, definitely hectic in, in terms of, you know, it was a bunch of strangers, coming together to try to make something happen. And last year, I think a lot of our processes were in place and a lot of anticipation. We had a good season on and off the field. And this year with just continuity of the rosters and our front office staff and everything, it feels really more like a continuation. Um, and so it's the best time of year. You know, you work real hard in the off season, uh, but when the games are just around the corner, the players are back, things are happening. It just brings a different energy to everybody involved with the club. Finishing, I believe it was second on the Western table in the regular season last year and one of the top teams in the league. Does that put a lot of pressure on you coming into 2018 to repeat that success? Just, I don't think so. Look, the the uh, expectations you know that we all put on ourselves here from a performance standpoint are very high. Uh, team had an exceptional season last year, really from start uh, to finish. And so we look at that as the, as the benchmark of what we can do. Our biggest challenge really is just going to be a league that's increasing in difficulty, especially in the Western Conference. You look at the new teams that are in and even the rosters of the existing teams. Nobody stood still. Nobody's gone backwards. So for us to replicate uh, the type of performance that we had last year, um, we'll need to, to step our game up uh, also. But we feel very confident in, in the group of players uh, that, that's been put together here and certainly in the coaching staff. To, uh, we, think we'll be, we think we'll be right in the mix this year. One of those new players that we've seen come in is Mikey Lopez, uh, formerly with NYCFC. Um, we saw Sebastian Ibiaga. Um, he's last I heard a trialist at NYCFC, but you know it's the end of the preseason and he's still there, so making some assumptions there. But um, is that relationship still there for San Antonio FC and NYCFC as far as an affiliation, or is it just you know left over from last year? Yeah, sure. Without you know labeling it at, at this stage, it really is a continuation and a furthering of what we started uh, last year. You know, right, right around um, you know January of of uh, again uh, the, just the relationship building factor, everything from you know evaluating players and identification of players to ways that we can collaborate. I think the perception is just because there's not players flying back and forth all the time that it's a front office, sort of a business side. Um, and actually most of the collaboration that we've done with them has been on the technical side. Um, so look, you know, you've got some amazing people, Claudio Reyna, um, you know, there, Patrick Vieira, you know, David Lee um, to learn from for us and they're where we want to be in the future so we we take every possible opportunity to pick their brains and um i think at this point it's mutually beneficial you'll see some some different aspects of it um probably they're a little bit more uh, quantifiable for for fans uh this year um and it's it's great we learn we've learned from them a, a lot and i uh, really enjoy working with them 
Before I ask you a little bit about the academy, I do want to talk about that goal of joining NYCFC and the rest of MLS. Uh, where does that stand as of late February 2018 for you guys? Is right. that actively so, pursued? Yes, it, it absolutely is. And look, the ambition has never changed You know, throughout the entirety of this period that we've been an applicant um, for MLS and even before that, right, when the when the Spurs took over and the city and the county got involved with uh, Toyota Field, uh, this ambition and vision of bringing Major League Soccer to San Antonio remains unchanged. There's still that same desire uh, to do that. It's, um, you know, sometimes the, the journey, you know, isn't a predictable one. And, you know, obviously there's been some obstacles in our way, um, you know, with the, the potential relocation of the crew to Austin, which directly impacts... Um, you know, our, our, our bid to bring Major League Soccer there, or at least, you know, from a timing standpoint, how, you know, quickly we can move forward on this. But, you know, nothing's changed. We continue to spend, you know, every week there's time invested on preparing ourselves for, you know, that eventuality to, to get the opportunity um, to prove to MLS that we deserve to be there. And the way that we can control the greatest at this point in time is just our performance as a club, right? So, um, continuing to put as many fans in this building as we can and create an amazing you know, game day atmosphere, continuing to have a, a good team that competes for championships, um, you know, continuing to be respected and admired by you know, other you know, professional soccer clubs in the USL that come you know, visit us when they're getting ready to get going them, themselves. So that's where we want to be and, um, and going forward. And then obviously, last but not least, the pathway um, that we're building here in San Antonio from the youth level, a direct defined pathway from the youth level all the way to the first team. And, you know, we're starting in the beginning part of connecting some of those dots mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and more to follow. So we're really pleased with how the club's developing and um, we'll ensure that we're prepared if that opportunity presents itself to be in Major League Soccer. Yeah, and I know there's a lot of excitement about Ethan Bryant coming up from the academy program uh, into the first team, but what can you tell me about the academy as a whole, and is it where you envisioned it coming in here in 2016? Well, first I'll I'll say that, you know, uh, Nick Evans, Darren, uh, the entire technical staff that we have has done such an incredible job of putting this structure together, the quality of it. Um, in terms of the program, we have 60 players um, full-time across three age groups, U12, U13, and U14 boys. Um, and we'll continue to backfill the youngest age group each time. And what are our current U14 boys, you know, until they're the oldest group, and we can connect that, you know, all the way into the first team. Um, so it's a long play for us, the player development uh, bit here. Uh, the performance of the groups, the performance of individual players, um, and what we've learned, it's, it's way ahead of where we thought we'd be. We've got an unbelievable buy-in support of the local youth soccer community uh, in doing this, and that's never a given, right? Um, we've tried to collaborate as, as best we can, but they're encouraging you know, their, their top players to be part of this program because it's something different that hasn't existed here. When you talk about being part of SAFC, the pro club, being part of the Spurs, it's a fully funded um, academy for the players that you know that qualify on merit to be part of it so trying to get through that pay to play barrier that you know continues to plague uh, American right. soccer we just you know we're one very very small part of that um, but being able to affect that and then the resources that and the support we've gotten from our ownership uh, to be able to carry out this program which is you know incredibly impactful and the dividends you know really won't be realized for even still some years to come we get a kid like Ethan who's in the the ETP program, 
um, which is a little older than our than our full-time academy kids, but um, has been training with the, both the pro and the academy coaches. And, um, you know, we're, we're starting to see that happen. Two kids from the U14s in the national team pool uh, right away. And that's on them uh, and their coaches, but SAFC's Pro Academy provides that platform uh, for them to be able to be seen and evaluated. So another thing where we're just getting going and uh, excited to what that looks like five, ten years down the road. Excited for soccer in San Antonio. You mentioned five, ten years down the road. The academy, you know, that's something that's completely separate of the MLS bid. Is that correct? Like it's ready to go just if SAFC stays in Absolutely. Yeah, one thing doesn't, you know, relate to the other. Obviously, if in Major League Soccer you're, you're, incent- you're heavily incentivized uh, to develop your own players. They don't count against the salary cap. In some cases, they don't count against your roster. Uh, you retain you know, 100% of any transfer fees that may occur in the future. So there are many incentives and benefits that go beyond the normal ones of doing that. But, you know, MLS or USL, the development of our own homegrown players uh, here at the youth level for the first team is is one of the key characteristics of what the DNA of San Antonio FC is all about. So uh, whether we have a USL future or an MLS future, uh, the academy will continue to grow and evolve based on that same uh, plan. It's it's absolutely fundamental to what we are and what we do. Is it starting to feel like you're more of the culture of San Antonio at this point, not the new kids on the block? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, for us, obviously, there's a transition period with uh, coming in behind the Scorpions, who had had look, they won they won a championship, and you know there was a great affinity towards you know what they were doing in that transition period, which was. You know, I, you know, I don't know that it was awkward. It was just a transition period at, at first. And you could really see last year, you could really feel um, that our fans were emotionally invested in the team and what we were doing. You could just, there's a different energy and enthusiasm about it. And, you know, you know, a lot's happened during the off season and we were hoping that that carries on into season three. And if the season ticket member event with the jersey unveil was any indication the other night, then... You know, we feel like we're, we're continuing to move forward with that. So, yeah, you start to feel a little more settled and comf- comfortable. But third seasons, it seems, in American pro soccer, especially for lower division teams, are defining they're defining years. They really define what you're all about. Are you that team that's filling the stadium, you know, more often than not? Or, you know, the novelty wears off and, um, you know, now, now it becomes really a more true indicator of what you are. So we're all excited about that challenge. Everybody here that, you know, we're – works is excited about uh, rising to the occasion and and uh, keeping this thing you know rolling forward Tim thanks for taking time to chat with me today and uh, good luck coming up in this season thanks always a pleasure Kyle. and we are back thank you again to Tim for taking the time to do that it, it really is a, a great opportunity for us to be able to talk with players and staff and everything from the club it makes our job easier and helps us uh be more well informed hopefully so we're not giving our our wrong hot takes anymore (laughs) so uh, i'm glad for some of that correction but um let's move on to non-safc topics a little bit um did something happen with nasl this week they died (laughs) they died they're dead no more taking hiatus for 2018 we all knew it was coming it has finally happened they are dead no more nasl at least for this season can I give a Walking Dead spoiler? Is that, am I okay doing that? Do you if, watch Walking Dead? If, wait. Okay, so here's the thing. I watch Walking Dead. I watch Walking Dead. 
And between going on to the fall break and now, I switched cable providers. And like an idiot, I forgot to set it record when I was out of country. That's the worst. So I've got to go back and watch it probably tomorrow. So don't spoil anything that happened this last weekend. (laughs) Uh, um, Don't do it. Don't do it. I'll be mad. Don't do it. (laughs) Should I take my headphones off here for a second? Let me just say (laughs) that um, either NASL had the longest drawn out death or another character from Walking Dead had the longest drawn out death. And both of them were completely unnecessary and both of them were completely expected uh, a long, long time ago. So I, I don't know that we're better off for either of them, but that's the world we live in now. And that's all I'll say about The Walking Dead for your sake. <laughs> but, I mean, I have a feeling I know who you're talking about, but uh, yeah. NASL, though, it, it's... I don't want to dance on the grave of job providers like it sucks that people lost their job it sucks that players lost their job it sucks that you know this is a business where people have jobs like it's not just fun sports but when you have such fucking crazy personalities running that league it's hard to not be happy that they're not gonna be around anymore um what I, what I was going to ask you during the break was, did, it, did you see the interview with Rocco Camiso, the Cosmos owner? Funny, I was going to bring that up. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did. It was a complete and utter nightmare. It really was. Um, but, and I, I almost brought this up earlier because it kind of ties in a little bit. And granted, he could be skewing things a little bit. But it ties into the Ibiaga situation and transfer fees. Did you catch the part where he said that he had players on the Cosmos team making over $400,000 a year? Yeah. And that's the entire budget for some USL teams that's for their entire funny. roster? <laughs> what? <laughs> that, and, and you wonder why that league didn't last. Like there are 20,000 reasons why that league is on hiatus for 2018, which we should clarify. They are technically on hiatus for 2018 as far as we saw, but come on. Um, Yeah. I think isn't, I need to look this up again. I feel like I remember MLS minimum wage being like 50,000 a year or something like that. Um, Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's he, he he said that his his budget for players was 4 million dollars. I mean, that's that's, that's that's as much as some MLS teams are spending basically. I haven't looked, <laughs> but off the top of my head, I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas spent less than that on players. If <laughs> if I okay, I granted I we talked about this way in the past about player player money and stuff like that, and I'm trying to pull here from that knowledge, but I want to say is that the cheapest teams in MLS were spending right around five to six million dollars. Yeah. And then you had the Torontos that were spending twenty five million. Right. Right. So I mean, he's not that far away from spending MLS money. That's a lot of cash. Four hundred thousand dollars on one player? Are you kidding? Oh God. I, I just don't even know what to do with that. It's just crazy. I. <laughs> felt bad spending 80 bucks on this shirt <laughs> like come on 
Um, yeah, and Harry says team averaged five to six thousand as well. So it's not like they were drawing drawing MLS crowds to support that, right? Um, unless you're in some MLS markets, in which case that's anyway. Well, I mean, um, Rocco said he lost millions on the team, and he just didn't sure. really care. Like, I don't it's, know <laughs> that whole if. For anyone listening, if you didn't see the transcripts from that uh, conference call that they had, it was fucking crazy. It was, they're all over Twitter. Um, I, I tweeted out an article earlier from, I wish I knew how to pronounce his first name. I think it's Mickey Turner or Mikey Turner. Uh, he's a lawyer that writes about soccer and he kind of covered a lot of that stuff in an article. You can find that on all of my social media accounts from my personal one, Tutsin Soccer, and the one that we share here for Texas Soccer Radio. Mm-hmm. Um, but he like attacked, not attacked, but he was a real smart ass with some reporters and um, was just really unprofessional and um, not what you expect from someone who is trying to save soccer and trying to lead this into a new era. Uh, And I don't know what comes next, but I I feel like he's not going to disappear quietly, even if his team is in NPSL for a season. This is where the Rocco call dropped, wasn't it? And then they had to come back and they kind of just glazed over it and moved past it. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) what what it was. That's exactly what happened was uh, the call dropped and, uh, when he came back, he was a little chilled out, a little more calm, but he still, you know, had a lot of accusatory things to say about us soccer and some and USL um, specifically why USL's D2 sanctioning came in January when NASL's came in September. And, you know, maybe he's not wrong on all counts, but that it's like, he makes tinfoil Ted look a little, little less crazy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of talk about behind the scenes backdoor MLS deals with some and stuff that nobody knows about and that nobody ever will know about unless they do some really serious digging. I don't, you're right. There was a lot of accusations going on in that that interview there. So, uh, yeah, NASL gone for 2018 yes. at least, um, probably more than that. <clears throat> one of the one of the trickle down effects from this was the San Diego team that is co uh part owned by Eden Hazard and uh Dimbaba and I don't really know who else, but I know those Chelsea guys or former Chelsea guy um are in that San Diego team is gonna be in USL in twenty nineteen. Right. Instead of an ASL, which is pretty cool. So I would love to see, I know this is never going to happen, but even if it was just for like a friendly, like a one game loan, see Hazard loan to San Diego and Drogba playing in Phoenix against each other, have two Chelsea legends facing off in USL. <laughs> you should, you should put that on idea on Twitter, put that idea on Twitter, let, let them make it happen. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that'll go over well. Nothing's out of the question at this point. I mean, Phoenix went all the way down to Ecuador for a preseason game this yeah. week. Yeah. True story. Kind of makes the trip to Tucson a little more realistic for San Antonio, a little more conservative. <laughs> Um, anyway, speaking of new teams for 2019, 
Um, Austin is back on. I don't think we mentioned that officially, but the USL Austin 2019 um, team is back on after taking a four-month hiatus while all the Columbus Crew stuff got settled. Um, Basically, to me, it sounds like they didn't want to lose their franchise rights and have to pay for new franchise rights. So they're going to play a team and then move it a year later if MLS comes to Austin. Um, Or, you know, hopefully they'll be here long-term and that'll all work out. But I I don't think you're that far off. I mean, I've been – when I went to the F1 race this past year up there at Austin at at the racetrack – they had soccer goals where the the field's supposed to be going from the based on the renderings. There's just not a lot of room for a significant stadium investment there. So even if they 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 do put some money into it, it's not going to be a whole lot of money lost. They don't have to pay for concessions or anything that's already all there because of the racetrack and the the concert venue. I mean, really, it's just getting some stands put up and a scoreboard and. Yeah. They're pretty much good to go. <laughs> One of the interesting theories that I saw was that um, if Columbus, if the crew moved to Austin, that uh, Epstein's team would move to Columbus and Columbus would get USL <laughs> that way. Uh, I don't think I've heard that mentioned in any sort of official capacity, but it's definitely an interesting theory. But uh, Epstein did mention relocation. And yeah, that, he did he's willing to move his team to another market. So I think that's good in a weird way. Like, I I think it's good that you have an owner committed enough to say, "Eh, even if it's not in my ideal market, I'll still keep the team going and and all that. So, well, I mean, at that point, if Columbus moves, Matt free stadium would be uh, open and available. (laughs) So You know, Precourt wouldn't be upset about it. He'd be collecting rent from Epstein up there since he owns the stadium and get his team down here. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we talk more about Precourt, let's just mention El Paso is also coming in in 2019. That was officially announced by the league. Yes. It's the same ownership group that owns the best fucking minor league baseball team in existence, the El Paso Chihuahuas. <laughs> they also have a part ownership <laughs> in FC Juarez. Um, USL and El Paso is perfect. Like they're not trying to pull away from the Liga MX crowd. They're not trying to pull away from a, a top tier crowd. They're probably going to be running it very similar to the Chihuahuas and, and where they're marketing to families and people who don't want to cross the border to watch soccer. So I think it's awesome. It'll work there. It should work well. It really should. Yeah. You'd think. So, good old Anthony Precourt. Um, He gave an interview after months of being silent, um, gave an interview to the Austin American Statesman today, I believe, on Thursday. Mm -hmm. Um, First interview since this whole thing has really taken off. Four and a half months. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> down the rabbit hole again we go uh, um so this fucking guy he uh he had a lot to say um 
the and you can find two articles on the Austin American Statesman website. Uh, one of them just summarizes some of the things he said. The other one is more of a column with some opinions thrown in and actually more quotes and, and more insight, in my opinion. Um, but the the big draw of Austin apparently is that he's addicted to queso, which like who can hate on that, right? Isn't that all of us? I um, can hate on that. Hold your horses just one second. <laughs> that man lives in California. He's got a team in Ohio where he spends part of his time. What the fuck does that man know about queso? He's probably at goddamn Chipotle eating their water queso, okay? He doesn't know crap about what real queso is. I'm calling it now. Peas in his guacamole. Oh, God. Like, (laughs) I don't think he knows what he's talking about. And I'm sorry, but that it was the article from Kirk Bowles. Yeah, like bringing up the queso i heard more about queso in that article than i heard soccer stuff damn and that's kind of where we're at right like bulls asked about if he would take his franchise to sacramento and he said he wanted to talk about austin he asked about columbus and he said he wanted to talk about austin so like even when pre-court speaks it's only about whatever he wants to talk about and it's real fucking funny that this came around right when everything is falling apart. Not everything. I shouldn't be that dramatic, but well, they are facing a lot of issues right now with trying to get public land. And so he yes. came out as the owner of the franchise and said, Hey, we're considering private land too. And the McCalla place is not a parkland. Um, it's a former toxic waste site. And uh, you know, but that. But but according according to Anthony Precourt, uh, McCalla is quote midtown. It's the new downtown. <laughs> Straight from the man's mouth. Yeah, it's I... not downtown, dude. It's eleven and a half miles away. Isn't that about how far Toyota Field is from downtown San Antonio? Like, yeah, it absolutely is. <sighs> I'm just, I'm so done with all, like, I thought, (laughs) we talked about this last year, I thought when the end of 2017 came and we had the first two expansion teams, like, the MLS talk would be able to die down for a little while, but lo and behold, we only have one fucking expansion team right now, and it's March, when they said they were going to announce the second one in December. <laughs> um, and now you have Anthony Precourt trying to get into Austin with Columbus Crew, and uh, it not going particularly well with a lot of Austinites. There's a really big soccer culture there, and there's a lot of people who would really enjoy having that team. Um, I'm just wondering if they're going to be allowed to even take it to vote because it sounds like city council isn't even going to allow the public vote on some of that parkland, um, which as a side note, just personal opinion, that's stupid. Like let people vote on it. If they feel that strongly about it, they'll vote it down. But, um, anyway, I mean, the vote may not even be needed at this point. Um, we've already seen, I'm, blanking on the name the first uh, butler shores is already off the table yeah and the austin parks board had a meeting this past week and they unanimously voted to recommend that guerrero not be considered by by to the austin city council so i mean 
I know Precourt was trying to keep Guerrero in play in his interview um, and that they were going to be more cautious and, and with their evaluation of public parkland in the future for, as a stadium site, but they may, it just may not even be an option. Like private or McCalla may be the only way they can go. Yeah. I, I just want it to be over. Like I want them to either get the team and we can stop speculating or for him to look elsewhere and we can, um, you know, focus on the expansion bid from San Antonio, but it's really frustrating to be caught in this middle ground. Um, I think 2019 is definitely out of the question for now, unless there's a temporary stadium or if he has the balls to play it in the Alamo dome, but I just, I, I can't get over how much we didn't learn from that interview. It's like, well, we've got 37 corporate partners that we've identified as potential partners for the team, but we haven't talked to any of them yet. Right. And we're planning on bringing $400 million in economic, economic growth to the city, but we don't have any actual numbers to show you. <laughs> like we don't, we can't tell you how we're going to get to that $400 million. Like no, just trust me. It's trust Yeah. Me. And it's it four hundred million over twenty five years. That's about all we learned about it. Like it was two articles about nothing except queso. I do like queso, though. I'm gonna be honest. But we know what queso is. He thinks Chipotle's queso. Yeah, Harry. Harry brings up something. He said he's not going to Columbus. That's for damn sure. I agree. I don't see Columbus crew staying in Columbus. And I don't see him selling the team. So I've, it sucks for those fans a lot. It sucks a lot for those fans. But um, he specifically said in that interview that he's not a seller when it comes to selling his franchise. Uh, So he's not looking to flip this and and make a profit uh, right now. So if Austin doesn't work out, watch out Sacramento, watch out Tampa, watch out, you know. Who knows where? Probably not San Antonio. But Scott asks, how do you think the USL feels right now? Um, With all the Austin stuff, probably pretty frustrated. (laughs) They were all set to bring back that franchise and that market. And now they're not sure because one MLS owner uh, wants to move a team there. And um, based on the Don Garber interview with Grant Wall, I'm not sure that it's all gone to MLS front office's plans by any means either so um i think both leagues are probably pretty frustrated with this current situation and harry mentions that garber may need to force the sale which i don't know that that's any better like at at this point what city and ownership group is gonna want to take on the columbus situation because yeah i mean unless you're selling it to somebody that's gonna keep it in columbus there's very little win here. You're going to have to deal with this blowback of this team leaving their home and all of that, that angry fan base, which has made a lot of noise on social media and out there in the news. And all that blowback is going to come directly on your city. That's the new target of all of those people. If a sale happens. Yeah. I, I have such a hard time because I know Save the Crew is a big movement and people are really into it. But two or three years ago, we were making fun of how small the crowds were in Columbus and that their scoreboard caught fire. And like, it was a joke. And 
obviously it wasn't a joke to the fans there and it's still not, but you know, you take in like, okay, pre-court goes away and it's a new owner in Columbus. And yeah, right now they have all this local companies that are saying, Oh, we'll step up. But until there's actual money involved, it's all just words. And why those companies weren't willing to step up before, even in just sponsorship deals, you know, it's really easy to take the stance of, Oh yeah, we'll help buy the team when it's not actually for sale. And you know, it's not going to happen. It's, um, it's a great political move, great PR move when it doesn't cost you any money. I don't know. I just, I don't know what the win is in this situation for anybody at this point now. Yeah. Austin gets the team. Okay. It's a win for Austin, but they've made enemies out of everybody in Columbus any other city gets involved, they're the enemies of Columbus and all the social media movement. It's I, man, I don't, I don't know how you get out of this anymore. The hole has been dug so deep yeah. by Anthony Precourt that I don't know that anybody can save them. I wonder if moving to Sacramento would work out because then you're hopping on a team that's quote unquote done, done it right. Um, it's in California, you know, at least the state where he lives. So he's slightly more local. Um, and you know, Sacramento needs money right now. They need a big owner is what all the reports are saying. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, or maybe I can't imagine going to Cincinnati would go over well being an in-state rival, but no, it wouldn't, but at least it's close at that point. But if pre-court's still involved, then it's still a loss. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see him selling the team, though. And there's no reason for him to. <laughs> like Everything we always hear is that soccer is growing and MLS is growing and values are going up and up. And there's no reason to sell yet because it hasn't hit its peak. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, anyway, on that depressing note, let's talk about another team that's on hiatus for 2018. <laughs> <laughs> it's rolling. Uh, San Antonio Athenians, like we mentioned, it uh, sucks that they are on hiatus for 2018, if not gone forever. Um, we had some breaking news today where we found out that the San Antonio Blossoms were accepted into WPSL. Uh, the same league that the Athenians were in. Um, so is it a wash? Like, are, are we back to square one right now? I'm, I, I'm not really sure how to feel. I don't know. I don't think either of us expected another team to just blossom out of nowhere. Oh, this fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't see this one coming. I, was, I thought it was a joke when I was scrolling through Twitter this morning and I saw that. I don't I don't know like I I don't know anything about this team yet we'll see what becomes of it that's the frustrating thing is they didn't like I I wasn't on the press release um I'll I'll tell you that much so I I don't have much to say about them they have a front staff and a coach and everything else so um Jonathan Check wrote an article for 210soccer.com you can check out right now 210soccer.com Everything we know about the Blossoms uh, is on there. Uh, it's not much, but John I mean, tracks it all down and, and lists it all there. So They've got like a half dozen signings so far. And I mean, it's a new Twitter account. So I don't, I don't know. It's kind of out of left field that they just showed up out of nowhere. 
Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to complain about more soccer in the city. No, absolutely no, not. I was, I was ready to lament the loss of Athenians and, you know, be really sad for, um, you know, not having women's soccer and, and presence and everything. But now it kind of feels like, oh, well, back to square one. Yep. <laughs> All's good, I guess. <laughs> I don't really know. It's, it's, <laughs> I think that's where everybody's at right now. Nobody knows what to think about this new team or anything about it. So, yeah. Well, Jonathan might be the most in the know at this point after writing that article, honestly. That's true. Well, anything else you want to talk about tonight before we call it a night, shut it down? I think that's it. We went two weeks without doing a a normal show and we only went about 10, 15 minutes over over our goal. So we'll take it. Next week we'll have a... I would say a meaningful pre preseason game to talk about. So yeah. that's exciting with the RGV match. And Very true. then the season's right around the corner. So crazy. Man. It's almost go time. So crazy. You want to go to Sacramento? Watch the, the opener? I would love to, but <laughs> probably not going to be able to swing that. <laughs> yeah. Right there. Anyway, thank you for hanging out on Periscope. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, We do this every week, Thursday nights, 10 p.m. Central Time. So, um, you know, come hang out. It's fun times. Thank you for everyone who sent in their Twitter questions and for listening and for interacting. And we have fun doing this. So thank you for putting up with our cheesiness again for a week. And uh, thank you again to Tim Holt for the interview earlier. I'm very excited to see what comes up for SAFC this season. So on that note, uh, music is provided by Ryan M. Teeter. You can check out the album Emotionally Strong Enough to Be Your Man from the band Mission Complete. Uh, pretty much everywhere the music is available. So Spotify, Apple Music, all that stuff. Uh, band is Mission Complete. Album is Emotionally Strong Enough to Be Your Man check it out it'll be fun oh i almost forgot to mention um we're gonna have a new intro i made a new intro and yeah um yeah it's disappeared uh long story short it's gonna have to remake a new intro so i still have all the original recordings and and it'll be fine but uh just you know eight hours of my life but anyway thank you thank you so much for listening we will catch you next week take care